You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. WA. This is the World Football Programme. My name's Sean Kelly and I'll be with you for the next two hours until Lenny turns up with some jazz music. Um, thanks to Frank and Jerry for another wonderful Celtic ramblings and their guests in here. A um, couple of well-oiled professionals. Well, if you've seen them on a Saturday night, yeah, they're definitely well-oiled. <laughs> <laughs> um, joining me in the studio today is Pete, the A-League Statsman Skeeler. How are you going? Good, mate. Good. Um, and we're also joined... Oh, no, hang on. We're not by Huey Best, who's pushing my buttons, and he really is now pushing my <laughs> buttons. <laughs> uh, I'm sure Hugh's got a good excuse. Um, so he's not with us, but you know, who knows? He may turn up. Um, news this week. I oh know, joining us by phone this week, our other guests will be Molly Appleton, who is a journalist, a football journalist down in Tasmania, and she is also a Mad Matildas fan. We've got Aaron Trevathan, who is our man for all theatres of football, yep. and like every single red-blooded Aussie, he's enjoying the football. <laughs> um, then we've got Steve McGarry from Perth Glory. He's the assistant coach out there, and we'll be talking to him about the exodus of players and the incoming players and we've done all right with some of the the ones we've brought in but yep, yep. you know i think we've got to focus on we've got to focus on the positives you know people say they're not ambitious they'd sign ronaldo and they'd say oh yeah but you didn't go for messi bring messi <laughs> in and they go oh yeah two of them can't play in the same midfield never happy are you you know so that's where we are with them and then we're going to finish it off with dan israel from football west had a good chat with dan the other night about the state of football in wa and uh, him and the rest of the team doing a terrific job out there trying to sort out the the football landscape after covid so 
We'll be talking to all of those. In news, the Olympic opening ceremony last night. Did you watch it, Pete? I did. I did. I liked the bit with the... Um the, the pictograms, the 3D version of the pictograms. Yeah, I, I did. I, I, I thought it was going to be a bit naff, but it wasn't. It was actually quite good. Yeah, I felt yeah. it was a bit uh, budget. Um, as they said later on, um, you know, they didn't want to go overboard spending too much money on an opening ceremony in a world where COVID sort of yeah. in effect. So I, I could I could get behind that. Like, at the time, I thought, well, yeah, I don't the, recall the, the Rio one. I probably didn't watch that, but I remember the London yeah. one was pretty amazing. But the two dudes doing that pictogram thing, you know, yeah. they managed to get some character through it. So yeah, yeah, that was great, great fun, yeah. And, and, and as always, the torch relay, what a wonderful thing. Yep. Um, been in around since 1936. A yep. brainchild of Hitler and a Nazi party, and we're still celebrating it. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, they say Hitler's a bad guy, but on the plus side, he did kill Hitler, so that's a, that's a plus in his Yeah, yeah absolutely. One small yeah, one. No, yeah. There's always something you like. That <laughs> that and the torch relay, you know. Yeah. Cauldron came along a bit later, but, um, yeah, nice to see that we, we still pay homage to the Nazis <laughs> in this day and age. <laughs> I hope no one edits this out of um, context. <laughs> no, well, you know, you got to you got to look at the orange origins of things. We yeah. talk about, you know, the, it, it just seems so very ancient and so very Greek, and then you, you realise that it was yeah, 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 only been around since nineteen thirty-six. So, well, we're still getting towards a hundred years now. I, I think know. it's well, well established as a, as a tradition. Yeah. Um, the football's been going really well. We'll talk to Molly and Aaron about the men and the women respectively. Um, but, you know, the, the whole thing is really starting to get that Olympic vibe around it and a lot of um, a lot of hype and, and, you know, I think it's it's good. A lot of it, yeah, yeah. Even in the, in the, in the mainstream media, I see I can't help but feel Channel 7's torn between their hatred for football and their love for the Olympics. And they've, yeah. they've for, in our favour, have and gone in favour of the And their love of the, of the underdog. You yeah. Look at the, yeah. the value of that Australian side on paper was, you know, nothing. You, you wouldn't get change after a cup of coffee from it. And then you've got the Argentinians, the, you know, multi-million dollar side, and you've just got this ragtag yeah. bunch of Aussies <laughs> gone out there and done them. It's brilliant. So that, yeah, that's the story they love. So Yeah, no, I, I haven't felt, felt so proud since the Maldives. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. You know, look, it's it's, it's a really good comp. Um, Perth Glory um, lost Economides to victory. Yes, yeah, disappointed. And and also their fixture. So to get into the FFA Cup, they yep. need to play against Melbourne Victory. Yep. Um, that's been postponed, obviously, with all the lockdowns and whatnot. In um, it was August the eighth. Yeah, it was August the eighth. It's still, uh, you know, up in the air with a postponement. Yeah. Um, the fixtures for the FFA Cup proper kick off on August the 11th. There seems to be sort of three weeks of them. So um, whoever wins out of the glory or Melbourne victory has to travel to Adelaide. Um, and obviously... Maybe. So, yeah. So the game yeah. against Adelaide uh, so against Adelaide City, not Adelaide United, so yeah. State League side over there. Um, obviously, that fixture's date depends on after the glory victory game's been played, which in itself depends on lockdowns and all the rest so yeah, absolutely um, yeah, and to be honest with the sort of the the rate of spread we're seeing over east at the moment you know i'm kind of hoping that we'll get that game but i don't know i'm sure there will be some contingency plan to maybe just award the game to the glory um that would also be nice for popper i guess because he he avoids coming over here for his 200th <laughs> game coaching in the a-league against the glory so yeah oh look it, it's uh, it's how football works though isn't it? it's quite funny when you look at it and you think to yourself that um you know, he was our coach. He's come yep. back, and then he's taken half a team over there with him. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's 
but he hasn't re-signed his sons over at Melbourne Victory. Or no, his ex- sons are still contracted players elsewhere around Europe. Yeah, so. I was expecting to make jokes about that. You know, now now that he's not the glory coach, we can we can. And he's still got the third boy. It's not not um, contracted, and he's probably the best of the three. So, okay, so he'll he'll wind up at victory. So he'll probably line up at victory and come good. You know, yeah. who knows? Um, <laughs> come good against the glory, knowing our luck as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, we're going to go to a break. We're going to be back after the break with Molly Appleton, who is a journalist with Beyond Ninety down in. Tasmania, and she's an absolute nut for the Matildas, so we will follow up with her and talk about the last game and the the upcoming one this afternoon. We're so excited. We'll be back after these. Oh, give me land, lots of land, under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Oswest Fencing and Rotiron. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Oswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialise in colour bond, aluminium, steel and timber gates. Check out our galleries at oswestfencing.com.au That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T fencing.com.au I'm Miranda Templeman, goalkeeper for the Junior Matildas. Join me and local women's football expert Penny Tanahoe as we share our news and journey through the football calendar with the best guests from your local community and all across Australia. You're listening to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. And it's good to hear Miranda's voice there and with yeah. the announcement that uh, Brisbane will be hosting the Olympic Games in 2032, there's someone that should be primed and probably, hopefully, in the full Matilda squad by then. And still hopefully with us as well. Yeah, absolutely. With our radio programme. Well, I'm sure she won't forget us. <laughs> um, joining us now on air is Molly Appleton, who is a journalist in Tasmania and an absolute nut for the Matildas. Good morning, Molly. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Great. Um, if you'd have told me we were going to win both opening games, I would have been surprised. Um, the, the Matildas, after such a, a lacklustre run-in, um, the girls came good. Yeah, they did, and they they looked very good as well. So I suppose you could almost say New Zealand had a worse run in than us in terms of just just lack of games. But I think we looked really good, which was really a really positive thing to to see after after the friendlies had us all a bit worried. Mm. Absolutely. And when you go through the side, you know, we've got uh, Sammy Kerr, who is now one of the best, if not the best in the world. Um, but alongside that, you've got Tamika Yallop, Ellie Carpenter, Steph Catley, uh, Caitlin Ford, who are all now big game performers. And, and you know, the I suppose, look, the, the lacklustre lead-in is, is part of we're just playing friendlies, there's nothing in it. You, you step onto that big stage in the Olympics and all of a sudden it's game face on and, and we're, we're doing the bizzo. Yeah, absolutely, and I mean the names, all the names that you've just you've just mentioned. They've been playing the big games in Europe and and in England and in France, so they're used to that big stage. And it's sort of, I suppose, just making sure they pull out pull it out for for a Matildas game, isn't it? Wearing wearing the the right jersey. <laughs> 
Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I suppose the other the other thing within that game was the um, the other contrast between the two goalkeepers. I think um, you know. The, the New Zealand goalkeeper, she had an absolute blinder, a masterclass yeah. in goalkeeping, and yeah. it would have been, um, you know, a cricket score if it hadn't been for her. And then at the other end, um, Williams, who didn't have an awful lot to do, didn't look tidy. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there was one moment where we all, I think we all had, had our <laughs> breath, and um, she, you know, was way off the line, edge of the box, yep. and it should have just been easy clearance or simple pass, but under pressure, it just ended up just not sure what the decision is and look anytime I watch Naylor play I think I've, I've since uh, New Zealand played us in Shepparton would have been five or so years ago like I've loved watching her she's a great goalkeeper um, and just on a game but yeah we believe I suppose part of it's also she's not had heaps of game time in the past you know 12 months since the move to Arsenal with injuries and and different things, so you know, um, which is a bit unfortunate. So hopefully, if she if she does happen to start again tonight, hopefully she can get a bit more confidence. Yeah, uh, and just a bit crisper with the decision making. Do you think there's a the chance that she won't start tonight? Um, I think just purely based off the friendlies, the two friendlies leading into it, I think. Um, you know, there's a chance for for Micah to start, and I would, I would, if I was in the decision to choose, I would just based on, you know, goalkeeping such a confidence position. You know, there's only one of them, the last one, and I think uh, Micah has has that confidence that that uh, Williams at the moment doesn't have. So I think I think there's a chance, but then again, you want your most experienced player. Mm in that position and, and Williams is still the most experienced player player there and she's not playing, you know, it's a matter of is she playing bad enough to change? Yeah, because the other part of that is if you if you move her then and she's having, you know, anything about her confidence to yeah. then replace her doesn't do that confidence any good and, and to show some faith does. So, it's, it, look, I've been a goalkeeper in another sport so I, I know what it's like. Um, but, you know, for me... The experience says a lot, and I think being the professional she is, she'll know that she wasn't mm-hmm. great, and will be more motivated to to be, you know, her normal self. Uh, particularly against the the Swedish, where I think we're going to need a goalkeeper that's on a on a game. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, she's still an unreal shot stopper. So take away, um, you know, any of the distribution and stuff. Yep. Shot stopping, she's going to pull out some of. You know the highlight reels of saves uh, yeah. when you need her. So yeah. And, and look, the the New Zealand game. I'm not taking away anything from New Zealand. They they were a, a good and well organised side, um, but she didn't have an awful lot to do. When you you start to play against the the teams like Sweden, America, UK, um, you know the goalkeeper is going to be a lot more involved mm. in the game. So once you you're in that zone and and moving and talking and and doing all those things, um, that does keep your concentration levels up. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think sometimes with those games where you've only got one or two shots for a game, it's a lot harder because you just switch off and then suddenly you're called into action and it's, you know, the crunch time of the match, but you've not had that constant sort of get your eye in and, you know, it was, what, the 90th minute when when New Zealand scored against us. So it was a bit, yeah. 
So from from a, a, a fan perspective, is there anything you, you you didn't like about the way we, we set up or our tactics or do you think we, we got it bang on? I think we've got it bang on. I'm, I'm quite happy that um, that we're playing three back. Um, I think that solves uh, questions over, you know, who's our best centre-backs and the best partnership with just the two. I don't think we've got particularly a strong enough combination for two without getting rid of Catley or or Carpenter completely out of attack, yeah. uh, which which two back does allow for. Uh, and, um, yeah, I think we got the balance right. I was, I'm always iffy about Fire Simon, but um, I fell in love with her once again that game. So I think that was a masterstroke. Mm. I think she was a massive player for us. Uh, creating that fluidity that we've, we've been missing in previous matches and just really playing between the lines and finding that space and drawing drawing players away from Kerr. And if she didn't do that, she w- she was free, you know? Um, yeah. So I think I think that was really good. That was probably the only thing before the match, seeing the lineup, I'm like, oh, no, why would we do this? Um, but I think that was, that was smart. Um, and, I mean, Razzo's uh, playing wing-back that seems to be working really well. Um, you know, it'll be a tougher challenge, obviously, against New Zealand, uh, against Sweden, Sweden, not New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. But I think, I think you know, she's showed that she's doing very well in that role and um, has been really important there. Mm, absolutely. And I think, you know, the, the the side itself really worked out well. I think uh, a ni- another nice touch was when they, they came out. It wasn't the, the Australian national flag, and I know some people will, will get a bit put out by it, but coming out with the Aboriginal flag in front, I thought that was unifying for the group. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, you had uh, Lydia Williams and Kai Simon both starting, and, you know, we've got those uh, Indigenous girls in the squad. So I think um, that's a, that was a great touch. I really loved seeing that. It, was really, yeah, really important. I know there's taking the knee and that's important and we've seen that in, you know, every football competition uh, at the moment where that's really important. But I think it was nice that, you know, they'd thought about it, didn't just go through the motions of taking the knee like, like you know, we might do in the, in the future or what, well, I don't what know I think taking a knee is, is a bit um, a bit stayed now and and I think the the taking that that flag that particular flag out was much more an action statement than just you know mildly taking a knee um, you know I think the I get the the whole black lives matter and the, and the taking the knee I don't like what the taking the knee actually symbolizes um, whereas this is more a unifying and a um, reconciliation type move that we are being inclusive of all of our races and um, that, that to me was a much much better thing than taking a knee. I, I am curious if, if the IOC has anything to say about it because my understanding was they, they only don't. allow national flags I know even back when Cathy Freeman yep. in 2000 did the lap of honour with the Aboriginal but flag having there was said a bit that, of they don't like political statements because ever since the the you know the, the black fist went up, yeah, um, no one is allowed to make political statements, and taking a knee is a political statement. Yeah, fair enough. Your thoughts, I think, Molly? I, <laughs> I think. Look, honestly, it probably opens up a broader conversation. Of you know, do we say we've got two flags in Australia with yep. the with the Aboriginal flag? So I think it's 
it's a definitely a conversation starter. Yeah. Um, and I think they, they did it really well. I think Sam Kerr explained it really well post-match. She did, yep. Yeah. Um, that was really class, um, you know, explaining that and putting the thought process, you know, letting us all know about that. So I think, yeah, it was a class act all around. And I think that's another part of the professionalisation of the game and going to somewhere like Chelsea, which has a, a huge professional machine behind it. She's obviously done a lot of media work because, um, you know, we, we like our Aussies rough and ready, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, her statements are much more polished and she she really is shaping up as a really good leader. Yeah, I definitely agree. I, I mean, when uh, with a new coach, you always wonder if you're going to get in get a new caption at the same time, but I don't think... There's even been that question so far with Sam. I think she's done done everything she's needed to, and she's really she's really stood up and, and has done really well in that position. And you know we saw that we saw that the other night. Yeah, and on the recognition of the the national flags, obviously the national flag is owned by the nation and is fine. The Aboriginal flag is actually copyrighted and owned by an individual, so or a, an entity. So um, that's something that would have to be a bridge that would have to be crossed because every time that comes out, they get royalties. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we, we, it needs to belong to the nation as, as a, an emblem. But that's, again, another, another talk, another day. Um, now, our opponents this afternoon had a really good <clears throat> start to their tournament. Um, they didn't just beat the Americans. They annihilated the Americans. Um, and it doesn't bode well for the rest <laughs> of the comp. You know, uh, it's either, I know that... Well, I know the, the, the Americans are quite an older side. You know, when you're bringing on Megan Rappenhoe as a substitute, they're, they're quite, um, I suppose, in, in terms of experience, very experienced, but you, you lose some of that flair of the, the youth. And, and I don't know whether that's a, a component. And the Swedish took the game to them, particularly in the, in the first 20. Yeah, I think, um, you know, with that, with that age comes experience. But America always comes out with an older older team, you know, Mm. And that's part of why they have been so successful because they've been able to have those older players who have been there, done that, um, and are very good players. And you know, being able to play them past the age twenty-five, which traditionally a lot of a lot of us have struggled to put up teams that are older than with players that are older than twenty-five. But I think, uh, yeah, Sweden Sweden were just unreal. Um, you know, they they came out. They've got. They've got plenty of experience as well, so they're not they're not necessarily a young side. Um, but yeah, obviously, it's just the US got caught on the back on the back foot completely, and um, I think Sweden came in a bit bit of an underdog. Um, they shouldn't have, you know. They had a really good World Cup. They've been performing really really strongly in Europe, um, and I think it's just showed maybe you know Europe's. Europe's rising up again, and and um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how both teams bounce back from from that in many respects. You know, Sweden obviously will have a bit more of a target on their back than what they had done, um, whilst the US will want to be showing that they can still win it all. Um, so yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. It, yeah, it does mean that the last around. the last game against uh, uh, New Zealand, uh, sorry, last game against the United States for Australia could very well wind up being a do-or-die game for both teams anyway. Mm. Knockout round mm-hmm. starting around early for us, basically. Yeah, absolutely. But I think you almost kind of thought that would be the case yeah. anyway with yeah. the way the, the games were. Um, I think, you know, if we, we need to get a point tonight, I think 
to not have as much pressure. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I, I think, you know, it was always in many ways, that's just the way of the, the Olympics, isn't it? Um, where it's very tough, it's a very tough group and it's pretty yeah. much all just a knockout, you know. they um, You had, I think it was, Sam again saying, you know, this game was a must win. This was, you know, our knockout game, more or less, against New Zealand, and that was our first game. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I look at, and I, I guess. I- I understand why you would say that, but I mean, really, we've had a fairly good record against them. I don't think we've hmm. we've lost in twenty seven years against New Zealand. So, um, most of us would be saying that that had to be a win. the The next two games are vitally important, and we pick up a point in each. Even then, you're through, um, as you because know, the top two go through, and then the best yep. third place. But um, really, tonight is one of those ones where you go, you know what? We're just going to go for it because once you've got two wins, you, you're virtually in. So, um, you know, I think we've got nothing to lose. Yeah, definitely agree. Definitely don't have anything to lose out of going for it. But then again, you don't want to get uh, 3-0 even uh, lost against Sweden, I think, at this yeah. point. I think, you know, play smart, play, um, you know, we, we drew, obviously, with them yeah. only recently. So I think if we do very similar, just play smart, play defensive and, and then spring the counter-attack. I mean, Sweden looked... There were a couple of times where the US were able to counter. Yeah. Um, and they created a couple of good opportunities and they just didn't shoot but early enough. You know, Tobin Heath had two chances where if you just shot the ball with a second touch, yeah. it would have been a very good chance, would have forced the keeper to, to either make a save or it would have been a goal. So I think, you know, Sweden aren't totally no. um, unbeatable, uh, but we do have to smart and not get caught out like the US Oh no, absolutely. We need to, uh, I'd say, play a counter-attacking game, particularly when you've got Ford and um, Sam on on fire mm-hmm. and, and so quick. Once the, the ball is, is played down the flank or over the, the top of that defence, you know, it becomes a foot race and you'd, you'd be backing either of them in any run mm. against anybody else in the world. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so that, look, I think it's, it's going to be a, a very interesting game at, at 430 um, and I imagine that all the watch po- watch parties around Australia will be um, be full with um, lots of people cheering on on the girls later on this afternoon. Absolutely, I mean it's a great time, isn't it? Four thirty for you guys, six thirty yeah. for me. So either way, it's around you know close to dinner or drinks time. So perfect, perfect way to watch an international tournament with the Matildas. <laughs> I watched I watched England at three o'clock in the morning. That was drink time. <laughs> 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 so yeah, look. It, if you're a football tragic, any time is is worth it. Um, now going through the other the other groups and the other the other games, um, England looking very polished at the moment. I'm just going to pull you up there, Great Britain. Great Britain, yeah. We know it's really England, but yeah, get that right. Yeah, Great Britain then. But they're, they're looking really, really strong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so they oh, had a they yeah, had they had a two 0 over Chile, and uh, in that other group, uh, Japan, the hosts, uh, won all with uh, Canada. Mm. So, um, so all the games are being played today, uh, and coming up today, it's Chile against Canada and Japan against Great Britain in Group uh, E. Yeah, a couple of good games there. Yeah, yeah. And in the in the other one, Brazil five uh, nil thumping over China, and Netherlands. Fr- one of the most remarkable yeah. results. I mean. It's it's rare enough to score a hat trick on the losing team. It's another thing to score a hat trick and still lose by seven goals. But yeah. uh, 
um, 10-3 to Netherlands over Zambia with uh, Barbara Banda scoring a hat-trick for the losing side. Yeah. So that's... <laughs> That's, that's remarkable. And and uh, coming up today in that group, it's um, China versus Zambia. So the two losers, sorry, let me rephrase that, the two teams that lost yeah. are going against each other. So they'll both be obviously looking for the win to get the points to, to go through. And Netherlands versus Brazil, the two teams that won, um, obviously going for top spot in the group as well. Mm. So so what's your thoughts on, on those two groups? Um, I think there's some good matchups. I mean, uh, scoring 10 goals, the Netherlands have made a statement, even yeah. if uh, they also conceded three goals. But, you know, 10 goals, that's definitely a statement from the Netherlands. Um, I think, again, and, you know, Brazil winning against China 5-0 is impressive. You know, we saw how tough China was, uh, you know, just before the pandemic, a couple of months before yeah. that. So we know that they're well organised tough to score one goal against China, let alone five. Um, so I think, you know, that game between the two of them, I think that's going to be really interesting. Looks like it'll be full of goals as well. Um, and I think, uh, you know, with the other games, uh, Great Britain and, well, England and Japan traditionally have very tight, great games between the pair. So with Great Britain, I imagine that's going to be going to be the same. Um and, you know, you can never discount Chile just because they've got such a great... They've probably got the best goalkeeper in the world mm-hmm. uh, in goals for them. So Canada will have to really work hard hard to break them down. Yeah, it's a, that's an interesting group, that one, because um, after the the first result with Canada drawing um, really puts the pressure on them now. They, they've got to win at least one of their games to have a, a chance of going through as, as the best third. Mm. You would think that they would want to win both of their, their remaining games, but one of those will be against Great Britain. So, um, you know, they, the pressure's on them to win today. And the Japanese, the same. I mean, they're... Yes, they've always had tight games against the, the Brits, but they, they're going to have to um, to be looking to win this one as well if they want any chance of going through. Yeah, I mean, it's their home tournament as well, isn't it? So yeah. there's even, even more uh, pressure on them, even if, the, even if the crowd isn't there. It's unfortunate that the crowd isn't there for them to sort of yeah. lift them and to get them across, but... Mm. Um, you know, I'm sure Great Britain won't be complaining about that at all. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. No. Um, but, you know, Group F, China, as you said, um, but they're pumping massive amounts of money into their game. They're bringing in lots of coaching. Um, and it's it's not going to be long before they, they are a global powerhouse. Um, but if, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen in these underage tournaments first. We're just starting to see it starting to happen. Um, and I think, you know, they're, they're very much a, a sleeper at the moment. I mean, yeah, like go back to 99 where they were in the grand final with against the US yeah. uh, in the World Cup final. So, you know, I think uh, they've always had it there. And, yeah, you know, the thought of them uh, investing more money in football is frightening. Uh, but it's also, you know, going to look forward to, to seeing that and having the Matildas come up against that in years to come. Um, but, yeah, I, I think... You know, China, obviously, they've got the, a lot of the elements there. Just I didn't watch the 5-0 game, but I'm yeah, definitely curious to see how they how they did lose 5-0. Yeah. <laughs> so is there anyone else that's impressed you in, in the, the early stages? Um, I think just uh, with Great Britain, I watched... That was probably the other main game I got to watch and 
temp on the wing for Great Britain was just great. She was an energizer bunny that just kept going until she got subbed off. Mm. Um, so I thought she was really, really impressive, uh, particularly for a team that obviously not all the bits have played together. I know that defence is very much England, but you've got elements of the midfield and the attack that have Scotland, Wales, that sort of, you know, bit of a bit more of a mix. Um, so I thought, yeah, hemp, hemp was my other standout. Yeah, and also with the... The, the switch now to the European Women's Leagues. Yours used to be a, the American League where you, you found all the stars playing. The The shift now is towards Europe and particularly towards the, the English um, Football League. A lot of the world's best players are playing in that comp, very strong competition. So that should reflect through the British team as well with the level of competition they're exposed to week in, week out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that shows without cohesive. Uh, that team did look, um, you know, obviously they'll come up against a better challenge uh, more than likely today, but I think just the cohesion just shows the level that across the board that competition is producing every every week. Yeah, without a doubt, and I think, you know, that's, that's also been of benefit to the Australian side because um, the majority of our team have been exposed at, at one level or another to that, you know, and a lot of our players are playing out of Europe and particularly out of England. Yeah, definitely. You look at the squad that was put together, I mean, um, you know, most of them have come over from, from Europe uh, or they've moved over to Europe very recently or... You know, it's Cooney Cross, and, and we suspect that, you know, the next step would be Europe for her. Um, so I think, yeah, obviously there's a very European flavour to the Matildas at the moment, which is great, and hopefully we'll start seeing more rewards from that. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. And I think, you know, it's just that, that level of intense competition week in, week out, which, you know, hardens the team. And, and I think we're, you know, the. the the, the lead-up games w- were part of that. You know, we, we've just come out of an elite competition. Um, we're used to getting pushed every week and, and the, I suppose with the success that they've had, the, the pressure just wasn't there. And a lot of these players now are, are people who will respond to the pressure. And I think the, the more pressure we have, and hopefully it works out tonight, that um, that, that has a, a bigger um, spur on them in, in playing and, and, you know, excelling. Yeah, definitely. And I think also, uh, even if you just think about minutes in the legs where, you know, they've got a proper full season and they're not having to back up with two or three different competitions for a full for a full season. Um, so, you know, it's less travelling as well and, and everything with that. So I think it's really positive. Um, you know, more girls over in Europe getting a full season with clubs is, is a positive thing and I think they'll bring that intensity you know, in the in the coming matches. All right. So before before we sign off, um, your your prediction for tonight? I'm going to go one all. Yeah. I'm yeah. hopeful. I'm hopeful. Yeah. Uh, so that'd be a great result because, uh, as I said, when you're looking at finishing in in the the tournament, you've got to be in that three and and the best third place will go through. So you know, four points as a third place is pretty good. Definitely agree with that. A, yeah. a one all in that game and uh, New Zealand pinching a one nil win over the United States would just be perfect. I think. Oh yeah, absolutely. That 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 would be dream time. <laughs> all right, look, 
Um, Molly, thank you very much for your time. Um, I hope you have uh, a really enjoyable um, watch of the game tonight and the rest of the tournament. Um, and I know that you know, we'll follow your stuff on, uh, on all the pages that you contribute to. So thank you for your time. No worries. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. So, Molly Appleton, um, yeah, loving the, the Olympics. Yeah, well, isn't everyone? Yeah, absolutely. Um, locally, though, we've still got football going on, and last week we had the Cup final day. It was indeed Cup yeah. final day. So congratulations to Floriot Athena, who won the, the big one, shall we say? And yep. somewhere I actually had... So they are actually the defending champions as well. There was obviously no Cup last year. But the uh, year before, they'd won it as well. So I did have a list of them up, but that's uh, disappeared off into the internet now. But uh, so, yeah, congratulations to Florida Athena. And in the women's, uh, Mum FC had a 2 0 win over the team that they played, which was Balcatter FC. Yeah, no, look, a wonderful day all round. Um, yeah, we spoke with. Um uh, yeah, Collie we, from we uh, did, yep. Bayswater last week, um, and yeah, look, so he was Bayswater two nil in the in the reserves and, and one nil in the um, in the eighteen. So 18, yeah, they did so extremely well. Around, yeah, yeah. Um, look, a great day, and I think you know from what I saw from the streams and that it was it was a top day all round. Yeah. Um, all right, so then we've got the state league. Um, we'll be playing today. Yeah, that's right. So the state league. Uh, well, in, in there was a catch-up game last week between um, Swan and Forestfield over at Swan, which, which Forestfield won. Okay. Yeah, Good. but there's games today. Games today. Uh, Mandra is hosting Joondalup United. Sterling Macedonia away to Ashfield. Uh, Kingsway Olympic at home against Subiaco AFC. Western Knights playing host to Swan United. Quinns FC against UWA Netherlands. And Fremantle City versus Forestfield United. So... Looking at the table uh, in the first division, Sterling Macedonia, you know, still ten points clear ahead of Western mm-hmm. Knights, and and looking pretty good for it. Uh, at the bottom end of the table, it's still only three points separating the bottom three teams. So Forestfield United on thirteen, Swan United on eleven, and Ashfield on ten. Mm. So. Yeah, very close league, and I think there's a couple of others who um, could fall into trouble. I think Fremantle play Forestfield today, and if if they lose, there's only three points between them and Forestfield were bottom a week or two ago. Yeah, so. that's true, that's true. So it's yeah. almost a six-point game in that case, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Look, and there's lots of those going on, lots of excitement in that league and, and well worth worth watching. Um, Divi 2? In Divi 2, uh, Mum FC are hosting Kelmscott Roos. Caramar Shamrock Rovers away to Curtin Uni. Dianella White Eagles against Balga. Uh, Joondalup City hosting Kingsley Westside. Gosnell City hosting uh, Morley Windmills. And then tomorrow afternoon, it's Canning City against Wanneroo City. So, obviously, in that league, well, you have to say Dianella White Eagles have got uh, it. Look at I know, I know we're that. only just past halfway point, but they're yeah. 12 points clear and yet to lose. And, yeah, they're looking the goods. Yeah, definitely. No, look, it's a good, strong league. And, and I think the State League has, has grown in strength over the last few years. Yep. Um, second Division, the first couple of years, maybe not so. But since then, um, both leagues gone strength to strength. Promotion, relegation being the key. That's right. If only we get that happening in the A-League, we'll be set. Yeah, oh, look, there's, there's a few things. And we'll talk to, to Steve McGarry about that later. But, you know, it keeps talking about a domestic transfer market. Yep. Um, you know, we... We've let players go um, to everywhere and we just let 
the contracts or come to a mutual agreement that we, we write off a contract and then all of a sudden they turn up playing for Melbourne Victory yep. or Brisbane or whoever. Um, and if you could say, look, he's got a year to run his contract. That's right. You know, it's not going to be huge get, dollars. Get, get money. Yeah, no, get money for the state leagues, which is obviously... The uh, the breeding ground well, for, for future for players. Well, for the for the A League clubs, yeah. it's it's then money that you can reinvest in either bringing in new players when you buy a player from somebody else, or you use that to feed your academy to bring up new players that you can then sell on. So yeah. you know the business model, and then there's a trickle down into the grassroots rather than what we're doing at the moment, where the grassroots seem to fund everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So look, it, it's an interesting. Um, argument to have and we'll talk to Steve McGarry about that a little bit later um, we're going to go to a break very shortly um, and we'll be back after that break with Aaron Trevathan who is our man for all reasons in football and we'll be back after these let's get them playing first eh? <laughs> West Coast Futsal Association was established to develop and promote the game of futsal with a vibrant new look and re-imaging, we are now Futsal WA. With a dedication to capture the fast growth of the sport to all levels, Futsal WA is Futsal in Western Australia. Futsal WA provides boundless opportunities to play with grassroots and junior leagues, pathways to academies and elite club competitions and representative futsal that can help you follow a dream of professional futsal in Europe or Asia. With four venues across Perth, as an individual or as a group of mates who want to play, there's a junior, men's, women's or mixed competition that will suit you. Contact us to get involved in futsal, an action-packed sport and the fastest growing sport in Australia. Contact us at Futsal WA on 0432 745 140 via email at info at futsalwa.org.au or via our website www.futsalwa.org.au Hi, I'm Penny Tannehoe. It's season 34 for the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. We are the longest running football show in Australia. Morphed from a sports program way back in 1987. The hosts and voices may have changed but the content, filled with passion, news, characters and history, has not. The World Football Team are all volunteers and we appreciate you listening in. 2021 brings a new look with a new logo, website and podcast. Thanks for sharing the journey with us on Radio Fremantle. If you like us, become a member of the station. Find a membership form on our new website, The World Football Programme. Radio, Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. Yeah, it's good to hear um, Football WA doing so well. Yes. Um, would have been nice to have a little chat with Greg about the, the unfolding situation in Brisbane with Football Brisbane and Football Queensland uh, unravelling. I was going to say, we did chat about that last week. I yeah, haven't seen any no, updates. It's, so it's, it's not getting any better, okay. and I think it's at the stage now where we'll pull up a chair, get some popcorn and sit back <laughs> and, and watch it implode. Uh, it's just, yeah, not very, very good at the moment. Yeah. Um, and look, it's stuff we all went through when Football West formed and, and we went through similar battles but nowhere near as, as aggressive or nasty. Yeah. All right, someone who's not aggressive or nasty joins <laughs> us now um, in Aaron Trevathan. Aaron, good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are you? Doing well, thank you. 
Oh, mate, I'm over the moon. If if I'd have said um, a month ago that we would open our Oli Roos campaign with a 2-0 win over Argentina, people would have been drug testing me and going through <laughs> my coffee to see what I was on. <laughs> what a result, wasn't it? Crazy. Oh, look, it, it was a, a wonderful night for Australian football. Yeah, well, obviously with, that, with the Matildas getting the result as well, night before so perfect start to the campaign for both the Tilda's and Ollie Roos yeah and you've got Arnie now full of full of bluster and talking about us winning a gold medal he's not even worried about the other two he's just going no we're getting a gold don't worry about the podium finish <laughs> I like the confidence it's good, oh, yeah. when you're, like, good to have the optimism and the confidence um, it obviously it, it does help the players you know believe it in a way as well so I think Arnie you know Arnie will do good things with this squad and it'll be exciting the next couple of days to see how it's it's a very interesting game though, and I think there's been a lot of focus on the send off. And look, when you look at it, um, it, it really wasn't a yellow card offence for either player. Um, it was one of those yeah. ones where you just go in and go, mate, put your handbags away. And if you if you're going to continue doing that, then I will give you a yellow. Oh, one hundred percent. It was a questionable red card or yellow, second yellow. So, uh, and I think it did. I think it did change the game a lot, but. Look, as a as an Aussie, you're not going to complain at all, are you? <laughs> yeah. No, no, not at all. Look, it's, it's happened to us and we had to take it, so it's happened to them, they have to take it. But even with that aside, um, I thought the the Australians looked very composed. I thought the back line looked extremely well. Thomas Deng um, looked unbeatable all night. And you just look at the way they've, they've shaped up. Um, they certainly played above and beyond what you know. People moaned about them all being, or nearly all of them being A League players, but you know it shows that there's some real talent in the A League and, yep. and confidence. And they they didn't look like they were not going to get at least a point from that game. Certainly, certainly they they were playing some really good football. As you said, that backline looked strong as anything. Um, and yeah, most of it, most of them if not playing in the A-League currently, have played have played their trade in the A-League at some stage. So it's really good to see on a national level that uh, the you know the league that gets a lot of stick at times for not producing the quality is, ac- is actually, you know, taking the world by storm right now. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, we we, we got ahead through a, a, a well-worked goal and then, we, you know, the second goal was just magical. But... Um, we, we never looked like uh, the second-best side out there, and, and I thought the Argentinians were actually quite disappointing because mm. even with 10 men, with what they've got out there, they should have really been taking it to us. Yeah, for sure, for sure. They um, they didn't look their best, that's for sure. Um, and, yeah, I, I was probably expecting a couple more names in that Argentine squad. I think the only overage, they play, overage player they have is a goalkeeper in their squad. So. Yeah. I don't know how seriously they're taking it, but look, it, it, the game's up for grabs, and Australia went perfect, you know, perfect game plan, executed it, and now the top top of the, um, the group, so yeah. the second game. I suppose if you if you're looking at it from a, a national um, perspective, though, can you think of an, another you know, high level Argentinian player over age that you could have put in that side that have made a difference? Yeah, for sure. I mean, Argentina's always kind of struggled defensively. Um, it's always been there, obviously, the Messi and, you know, their attacking players who have been the ones that have really shown for them. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, as you said, uh, it was an unreal result. And I think across the park, we just matched them, if not, you know, outperformed them across the park. It was just a joy to see. And we looked so positive, so energetic. And, yeah, I think there's a lot to come from this squad.
And and there was a lot of quality in that side. All jokes aside, the 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 big centre forward, um, he had a couple of little turns on him, just a touch here or there that completely turned the defender. A couple of good shots. Goalkeeper was up to it. Um, I think they hit the, the crossbar um, at least mm. once. So you know, it wasn't that they weren't trying. It was just that you know, the Aussies matched them, and, and as you say, man for man, um, you know, a good team did really really well. I think um, Arnie got it tactically spot on as well with his dust and shoot as well. Obviously, Tilio coming on and scoring with his second touch. That's a, that's a story in itself. That's a well, big story yeah. in itself. The yeah, whole Tilio something. story is just amazing. I mean, a month ago he wasn't even in the squad. He's travelled as a, as an emergency. He's he's got in there. He's never once played for Australia. His first touch started the move, and his second touch finished it with such a plum that you'd think he'd been um, playing for them for years. Exactly right, and I, I got to give credit for Lockie Wowers as well. Like, I probably, I personally wouldn't start him. I, I don't think he's one of the better players in the squad, but he's proven people wrong, and he scores the goal when he needed to. I think he probably could have had a second. Yeah, uh, that that was a that was a tired, uh, tired move, wasn't it? I mean, he, he, yeah. I thought maybe they'd over finessed it, and I, I think rather than passing it to him, I would have rather have seen the the taking some responsibility and going. I'm going to stick this in the back of the net and be the hero. But they passed it off to Wales, and and then it was almost like he had too much time. Yeah, 100. percent But uh, yeah, look, he again proved it pretty strong. He got the opening goal, and that was the important goal, if anything. And yeah, just, as I said, they're playing with such freedom, and there's so many exciting players in this squad. And it's really, it's really good to see because I think a lot of those players will transition to, into the, you know, the men's national team quite soon. Uh, obviously, you have got Thomas Deng and uh, Harry Suter at the back. They're basically the almost a starting partnership for the Socceroos anyway. Yeah. So yep. if they're going to have, if they have a good tournament here together, they're going to form a really strong bond. Um, and yeah, as I said, there's a few good players there that could definitely transition to the national team. Oh, without a doubt. And I think, you know, that's ultimately what they're all pressuring for. Um, I thought Suter was a bit unlucky with his his yellow card. I mean, he's he's probably about twice the height of the guy that ran into his arm and he's he's got a yellow, but, you know... It's always a hard one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but look, he's certainly proving himself. For someone that's only had a holiday in Australia, he's he's certainly putting heart and soul on the line. That's what you want to see, exactly right. You know, some players don't always represent the country they're born in but you know if they've got if they've got some you know that they're eligible for and they really give it their all and they spread it like it's their own then I'll, I'll respect that completely absolutely because I think his brother plays for Scotland so you know it must, must be interesting in the family home <laughs> <laughs> um, now the the other thing is the, the Argentinians, you're going through their side now and I must admit I found it quite highly surprising when you've got all these um Portuguese or Spanish origin names, and then all of a sudden they got McAllister. Yeah, the Brighton <laughs> boy. Yeah, it just didn't seem right to me. I went, that's strange, but yeah, well, they're blaming him for the loss now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, yeah, look, I think I was I was quite disappointed with the Argentinians considering the hype and, and where they were within this group. Um, now to tomorrow afternoon, or um, I think six thirty hour time. I don't know what that translates to. You or eight thirty, nine thirty for you guys? Yeah, I think it's eight thirty for us. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we're playing Spain, um, and if you can't be up for a game against the Spanish, um, do we, do we dare dream? Look, I think 
we're very optimistic given the result we had against Argentina, but I think Spain is another level above them as well. I think they had a poor, a poorish result against Egypt, mm-hmm. and they'll yeah. be looking to make amends to that because they've taken a quite quite a strong side. But Pedri in the middle of the park, who just got the young player of the tournament at the yeah. Euros, who's played 60, 68, 69 games this season already. He is so, an awesome talent. You know, yep. He wouldn't be going to the Olympics for no reason. They've got, you know, Marco Asensio, who plays for Real Madrid. They've got a few, you know, Barcelona players. So I think they are the, the what would you say, the, you know, the ones that you really want to knock off and the ones that will really set the tone. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm optimistic we can get a good result for sure. If they, as you said, they had a, you know, average result against Egypt. So. Yeah. If we, if we put in the same display we, do, we did against Argentina, I don't see why we couldn't get a result. It, it's worth mentioning the, the Caps listing for the Spanish squad. Uh, they've all only played one game. Uh, I don't know whether I'm getting it wrong, whether this is incorrect or not. So I know obviously... You're the stats man, mate. That's, that's, uh, well, I'm going by Wikipedia here. But whereas, you know, Australia, obviously it's an under-23 side. So the players haven't got, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of caps. You know, the, Austra- uh, the Australian team, we've got, you know, uh, Bacchus has 15. You know, Piscopo has 13, so forth. Uh, ditto the Argentinian, you know, uh, squads have, you know, players with a dozen or so caps. But all the Spanish squad... Uh, only have one cap, which would have been the game against Egypt. So I don't know. Is this yeah. is this literally a team where they've not pulled in anyone with previous international experience? Well, that that's a it's a huge part of it for sure. You know, yeah. you've got to have a bit of chemistry in the squad, and if you don't have if you don't have the chemistry, it can really be hard to click. Um, which could be good for, good for in, us. In, yeah, we're in a knockout tournament. You've only got three. You've got three games maximum to get it right. Yeah. But, you know, if you if you up in your first game and you find yourself you know three three points behind the rest it can take a lot to get to get back in so yeah if the Aussies can click yep. like they have been against Argentina and the uh, and Spain don't click like they didn't look like they were too great against Egypt then mm. we could definitely surprise them and then we'll be top of the group and going through yeah <laughs> Yeah, look, and, and I think, you know, we talk about the pressure in, in these tournaments and the Olympics and what have you and, and the emotion around it. And, you know, Spanish are quite emotional. Um, if Arnie can get the, the defensive side of the game working well, and I'm sure he will, um, you know, halfway through the second half, if it's still nil-nil, the pressure is really on the, on the Spanish to come up with something. And that's really where they, they're either going to make or break and if we if we do sneak a goal and, and go one ahead, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the metal of the Spanish is at that point. Exactly right. This I, I could I could say a draw would be enough for us. This would be a good result for us. So mm. they can't afford to drop points. Uh, with no. Only one point on the board. They they do need the win. Um, and with already playing Egypt, so they've obviously got the harder game with the Argentina coming up. So yeah, a yeah. draw. Would play into our hands perfectly. So yeah, find ourselves a goal up, and the pressure will be on Spain for sure. What do you make of the Egypt side? I've not seen them play, and I, I don't know anything about them. But yeah, you know, they they uh, drew they, the Spanish. Yeah, I, I watched that game against Spain, and they actually looked quite good. They, I'd probably say they had the better chances. Um, I know apparently Mohamed Salah wanted to go to the Olympics, and I think Liverpool blocked the move. Um, again, one of those ones where you don't send, you don't want to risk getting your player injured on international duty and they're not being fit for the season, so I understand it. But, um, yeah, they still look good. A couple of good youngsters in there. And they, as I said, they, they look to play the better football against Spain. So yeah. that'll be a tricky game as well. So but yeah, can't but write any game off. The other thing is, you know, if you've got someone like Mo Salah who wants to play for the 
his national team mm. in the Olympics. Being an Olympian is a huge thing. And, yes. you know, representing your country and also for someone like Mo is, is a big thing as well. Um, if he could have gone to the Olympics, you've got to trust that he's going to look after himself. But you, you have a player who comes back from the Olympics, a much happier player. Um, and, you know, you run the risk of him being disgruntled because you didn't give him a crack um, and, and show him the, the love and the trust. So I don't know if that's a good thing from a Liverpool perspective. Yeah, exactly. I think it's always a, it'll always be an honour to represent your country. And I think the players who want to represent their country should always be given the freedom to do so. But you also do have to look at a, on a, a, I suppose, a financial perspective as well. You know, Liverpool's got this player who's worth a lot of money to them and he's a star player. And if that, if he does go and, you know, possibly do his ACL or something that requires treatment and he's out for half the season, full season, then they're thinking, why don't we let him go? But yeah, but... For a, player, for a player, it would always be heartbreaking to hear that you can't represent your country. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, when you're looking at it from a, a player perspective, representing your country at any level is the pinnacle of your game. Playing for your club is, is great and you know, Liverpool do great things. But um, it's that whole club versus country argument that comes up time and time again. Um, I noticed that um, New Zealand had issues because they've got women playing in the American Football League who weren't getting released. And it wasn't just them, it was the USA also had players that weren't being released because the club wanted them to play for their club rather than, you know, the the Olympics or the warm-up games for the Olympics. Um, and I think, you know, the club versus country thing is, is always a problem. You have players who play for their full national side who also run the risk of injury. You know, if, if Salah's playing in the African Cup, he's going to run a risk of being injured. Yep. Yep. I remember Dean Alston yep. playing for West Ham who was a marvellous striker got an injury playing for England and basically finished his career. Um, but West Ham were happy to let him go and play for the country because that's, as a footballer, that's that's the prize. It, it's probably also another thing when it's uh, the same country that the club's in as well. You know, if he was a, if he was a, you know, as, as you say, an English player at yeah. an English club, they're probably more likely to let him go than he was if he was a Egyptian player, you know, go off and represent yeah. Egypt. You can understand there's also national pride from the club level as well. Yeah, and systemic racism. Well, that's true. I didn't yeah. want to bring that up. Oh, I yeah. do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so look, it's just an interesting argument, that's all. I think it also comes down to the fact that the Olympics, in a way, is almost seen as a glorified under-23s tournament. Like, yeah. yes, well, it is the Olympics and it's the pinnacle of sport, but it is an under-23s yeah, tournament. Yeah, it's the pin so, pinnacle of sport for every sport except men's football, basically. Yeah, you say, well, yeah, because women's football, you know, yeah. anybody can play. So yeah. that's, that's exactly right. But so they don't yeah. want to shadow the World Cup like that, which is understandable. But, yeah, as a player, you, you want to represent your country for sure. And it doesn't doesn't happen often. No, it doesn't. And it will be interesting. So um, what's your, your tip for tonight? Well, it'll be a very tough game because Sweden knocked off uh, USA in a very comfortable fashion. They look great. And... When we play a warm-up game against them, yep. maybe a month, a couple of months ago, we lost. What was a five-nil? Was that game? Uh, no, that was a, that um, was a nil-all draw. Was that, that was that was a week oh, before the, the draw, yeah. Oh, so so we did cop a couple yeah. of um, hidings, but it wasn't against. It was Germany, yeah. Netherlands, and yeah. so forth. So, so we did get a nil-all against them, which I think yeah, we take it'll again. Be a, yeah, it'll be a tough game, and I think a draw, like I said, with the others, could be enough, and yep. that'll be a good result for us. And probably Sweden might take it as well. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a massive game and. I don't even know which way to pick. I'm going to go with the Matildas just because, you know, I'd love to see them get the win. And I think we're playing better than we were in those few warm-up games. Yeah. Yep. I think it did maybe take a little, just a little bit to get the legs moving and 
get the freshness, you know, out of the way. And we did look pretty good against um, New Zealand in spurts. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with some two. I think two one. All right. We okay. might come from behind. I think we might come from behind. And for the men two tomorrow. Um, I'm gonna go with the one order. All right, that sounds good. No, no, and and who do you who do you see out of all the the, the teams that are competing at the moment as being up there in in the the, the quarterfinals or the the semifinals? Uh, it's it's really hard to pick. I think Mexico looked phenomenal against France yep. in yep. the men. Uh, they've always been really good at. Uh, at the Olympics for some reason. I'm yeah. not sure. You know, but then obviously it translates into their national team doesn't go as great. But yeah, they've always been quite strong. I think Brazil look really good. Yeah. Which for Charles not top. That's just a they've just got a beast up there. Um it's good to see our Kiwi brothers doing well. Chris Wood up top yeah. the goal for them. So top they, of their group at the moment. If they, if they get a favourable draw with their group, you know, in the quarterfinals or however they could they could go a little bit further. And uh yeah, again Spain I don't think they've clicked 100% yet. So if they do start to click and they do get out of the group with the Aussies, then they could be a force as well. Yeah, it's quite interesting when you look at who's in the bottom end of their, their groups. I mean, Group A, France are sitting pretty at the bottom. <laughs> um, Argentina are sitting bottom in Group C. And then in Group D, yeah. Germany are sitting bottom. It's, it's not bad viewing, really, is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's what we want to start the tournament. Absolutely. Now, look, it's a great comp. Um, as I said, could not believe the result. And, you know, as I said, very confident in the way the boys are playing. And I think, you know, um, Graham Arnold has, has been foxing everyone for, for the last few years just for this moment. They've had him all thinking he's not the, the best coach in the world. <laughs> and now he suddenly is going to be the best coach ever. Yeah, well, as you said, he, he, you know, he went, he, he came, when he came to the tournament, he said, we're going to shock the world. We want to, we want to do big things. Now he's saying, you know, got eyes on the goal yeah. medal, that's what you want. It, it really instills confidence in the players if your coach is confident with the team. Absolutely. Talk is cheap, but the boys had to do the job on the park and they did. Aaron, thank you very much for your time. Um, I'm sure we'll catch up with you again before the end of the tournament and uh, we'll hopefully talk about previewing the Australians in the final. Yeah. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Thanks for having me on. Cheers, mate. See ya. Aaron Trevathan of the Football Tragics um, with his views on the... Um, Olympic tournaments. Yeah, I got to say, I mean, I'm obviously pumped about the two nil win over Argentina, but at the moment, it's still just one result. We could just as easily crash out of the tournament with that one win. So um, I think it's all going to come down to how we go against Spain. And yeah, that's but we're winning. We, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we're winning. And I mean, there's also, just bear in mind, obviously, that um, we're in Group C, so we're going against Group D or in the um, in the knockout stages. So yeah. that means if we go through, if we finish first or second, we'll we'll play either Brazil, Ivory Coast, Saudi Arabia or Germany. So it, it certainly doesn't get any easier from where we are now. It's only going to get tougher, which is what you expect for a tournament. Yeah, look, and in a tournament of that calibre, that's exactly what you expect. And you yep. don't want it to be any different. That That's how it should be. Yep. So I think, you know, we're we're looking at the, the top under-23s. These are the guys in the next four or five years should be. And as we have with Deng and Suta, um, already playing in your national team at that age. Yep. Um, that's really what we want. Yeah, and again, worth mentioning as well, the Kiwis had a, had a fine 1-0 win over South Korea in their yep. group as well. They're currently top of their group. Um, with Romania second and currently South Korea and Honduras, you know, not in the uh, progression um, positions. So, yeah, uh, it's good luck to the Kiwis as well. If they're not actually playing Australia, good luck to them.
Oh no! Look, you, you've got you've got to look after the Australasian players, and that's you know, including New Zealand. And I'd love to see an Australia New Zealand final. I don't oh, think that's going to happen. Yeah, no, I think that would be unlikely, but I think it would be absolutely mental <laughs> if it did. Look, it's football. We're allowed a dream. Yeah. All right, mate. We're going to a break. We'll be back after this with Steve McGarry of Perth Glory. Oh, give me land, lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Oswest Fencing and Royal Tryon. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Oswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials, and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialize in color bond, aluminium, steel, and timber gates. Check out our galleries at oswestfencing.com.au. That's A U S W E S T fencing.com.au. My name is Mohammed El Mabani. I'm a coach at Punchbowl United Football Club and I coach and assist with three teams. Ever since I was seven years old, I've loved football and it's more than, t- it's like family. Not just as in you're a teammate, like you're my best friend, I got you, I've got your back, whatever you need, I'm supporting you. You carry that chemistry throughout the whole season, throughout the life and Outside soccer as well, we're always together. I coach and assist with the under-14 girls, and for them, I mean, I've talked to them about this before. Imagine if we had the World Cup in Australia. Coach, they'll be amazing. They'll be so awesome. He puts a lot of dedication into the mind, saying that I can do this, and I'll be there, and I wish to be there. And us Australians supporting Australia in our own country, it will be unreal. Get on side, Australia. Okay, a little ad there about the World Cup coming to Australia, but the Women's World Cup, which is not too far away, but now we're excited because we've got an Olympic campaign coming up and you know, lots of the 10 and 11-year-olds playing football out there around Perth um, with dreams of being the next Dolly Roo and next Matildas. And yep. Someone who's at the forefront of that development is our next guest, Steve McGarry with Perth Glory, who are investing a lot of money in developing um, the future players for Australia. Good morning, Steve. How are you? Good morning, Steve. How are you? <laughs> Hello. Good morning. Good, mate. A um, lot of focus on on internet and media about the the amount of players that the glory of of let go, and I think it's around about nine. Um, and you've got Economides just confirming that he's gone to victory. Um, as a fan bit disappointing that he's gone but i think mm. from a coaching perspective if he doesn't want to be with you or he doesn't want to continue um that's not a good thing either is it so yeah no listen i think um obviously there's been a lot of changes and stuff and i think you know you, 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 you spoke about chris economy just in, in isolation there mm. after uh, you know the the rumored figures 1.2 million going out of a victory so I'm, I'm sure some decisions are are based on uh, finance rather than the football. Um, yeah. So yeah, no. Listen, we we are, we are, we've brought a few new players in. So we've brought Al, Alvin Calver in, Brandon O'Neill, and Jack Clisby. Yep. Um, and both of uh, the three of those guys have come in and trained with the squad this week and looked really good. Um, and yeah, the, the other guys on that list have some have left for certain reasons and some have, have let go. Um, we've also obviously still speaking to Diego. Um, you know, he's been offered a a new contract and, and we're looking at several other options so I think it's about you know making sure we get the right the right players in the club so 
and and the, and the squad, albeit yeah, a little bit short at the moment. It's a, it's a strong and exciting squad. Well, it's interesting because, you know, um, Kilkenny been a great player for the club in the time he's been with us. And when all of a sudden he wasn't any part of, of going forward, we all thought, well, you know, how are you going to replace that? And then all of a sudden, Brandon O'Neill. And, and if you could have picked someone as a fan, that's the guy you would have been going for. And, and so happy that the, the club have invested in his future with, with the glory. Yeah, and even if you if you go back, you know the, the changes we made last year through a certain point of the year, we brought we brought Luca Borden in and Callum Timmins, um, and that coincided with a, a really strong finish when we had those home games um, towards the back end of the and those two young lads were superb. Um, but we also actually have a little bit of depth in that area as well. And Brandon O'Neill was on some somebody we'd been looking at um, myself, Richie and Terry. Had uh, all, you know, had relationships with with Brano either through playing or, or Ferry over in Sydney. Um, so again, getting someone of his calibre in uh, and the type of person in as well, and um, to board well to to make sure you know we've got that strong environment, strong culture. I think it was a really important signing. And being a Perth lad as well, I think it's really yeah. excited. Um, you know, the football family over here in WA. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, you, you mentioned the, the three players that have come through the youth system. Um, Bodnar, I thought, last year, massive growth as a player. Um, you know, towards the end of the season there when he was brought on and he wasn't playing as a centre-back, he was playing as a defensive midfielder, was really um, growing and you just just like to see that. Timmins, um, again, started off a little soft towards the end of the season. He's really pushing people and, and bossing it. And I think, you know, uh, I think it was him that had the little tete tete with Diamante who was upset he wasn't showing any respect on a park. Get over yourself, son, you know? That's what, that's what I want from a youth player. I don't care how many World Cups you've won. Here's my elbow. <laughs> yeah, no, it was brilliant. And it was good just to see that sort of kind of mentality. And like you say, when you cross that white line, of course... You know, there is the respect for the opposition, but when you cross that white line, you're going to war with these guys, So, and you're doing every, everything you possibly can. You want to get inside um, his head, and he did. Mm. Yeah, he, he definitely did. You know, he's a fantastic player and a, and a great career, but that doesn't stop those guys, you know. You know, we gave him a, a job, and it, you know, to go and make sure these guys didn't play and play forward and let them get time on the ball, and, and they've done a fantastic job. So I think that shows you the, the likes of depth we've got, and they've got Ozzy Malik as well, who's in and out squad last year is quite versatile and he can play centre-back, he can play um, that midfield as well. So we've got a little bit of depth, a little bit of competition, which is really important if you're going to have, you know, be up there at the end of the season challenging. Yeah, I thought, you know, some of the other signings that you made, um, signing Aspro again, I thought out of all your centre-backs last year, he was the, the class. Um the others, Langer, Langerkamp didn't didn't really get a chance. He was injured for far too often and never really got to kick a ball. But I thought, you know, um, hopefully we're, we're going to look at bringing in someone as good as Aspro or, or better. Yeah, well, Aspro, Aspro was, again, he's, he's a consistent defender. Um, you know, you mentioned Sebastian Langkamp there again. He came out with massive pedigree, played in the Bundesliga, and that was Sunday, you know, who we thought would come in and be, you know, a real consistent performance for us, but unluckily it wasn't to be. But you know, like Aspo and Daryl Lackman, um, you know, done a, done a good job. But we've strengthened that back end because I think that was an area we definitely had to, you know, have a little bit more depth, a little bit more quality, and make sure that you know 
We yeah. did concede 44 goals last year, so we wanted to top that end up. And Aaron Calvin and Jack Clisby coming in, it certainly gave us that, that quality and balance. Yeah, and I yeah. think, look, I looked at Lackman, I felt a bit sorry for him because I felt he gave us all that he did. He scored a cracking goal. Um, you know, it, I didn't think he left anything you know, off the park. He, he gave us everything he had, but maybe it just wasn't quite enough. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, Daryl's an excellent footballer um, on the ball. He, he's, he's, you know, he's fantastic stepping in and, and going and joining the play and playing, you know, into the midfield and and, and you've seen him going on those marauding runs and he's a threat set plays but um, a real focus for him you know the back end of last year was you know to get better defensively get the better one-on-ones because he's coming against some quality opposition so mm. there was a real focus for him to build on that and he did and I think he, he finished the this, this season pretty strongly Yeah he did mm. um, Now just going through the, there's obviously a gap and you need to fill some positions I see you've got a, a young lad from um, Adelaide um, co- or training with you. It looks like he's going to have a nickname before very long because most people are going to struggle with his his full name. But um, yeah, young Pacific Keys come in and trained this yeah. week. Um, he obviously played at Adelaide United, and yeah, we're having a look at him um, over the next week or so. So no, he's come in and settled in well, but it always takes a while, you know, to get a, a, a real good gauge of these guys. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's other free agents out there, and. Um, I'll just give you the tip now. If you go anywhere near Burship Barissa, I'm going going to burn my membership and join the and join the victory. No, well, I can tell you right now, he's definitely not on the radar. <laughs> Good, I'm so relieved. Um, now uh, you're already training for a game um, where you you don't know what date the game's going to be played, and you don't know where the venue's going to be for the FFA Cup game against. Um, the Glory B team or Glory um, 2018, which is victory. Um, how do you get around that? You know, there's there's obviously a game that you need to prepare for, but there's so many unknowns. Yeah, but I guess that was a difficult thing about last year as well. But we, 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 we had, you know, loads of situations where we were planning for certain games were called off or changed. So I guess the beginning of this season is no, no, no different. And the players are... are We've told them to be prepared for anything. The game is meant to be on the eighth. It's been shifted to the fifteenth. And again, looking at you know some of the numbers coming through in Melbourne uh, in terms of their extended lockdown, is that going to be a realistic date that game's going to be played? I'm not too sure. So, not we are we are firmly focused, and, and whatever that date that game will, will land on, we'll be prepared. Yeah, definitely. And I think last year you used a lot of the glory um, youth players that are playing in, in the NPL. Um, and you had uh, young Rawlins playing for you, who is a 16-year-old, I thought played pretty well. And, and hopefully he's someone we're looking at for the future. Yeah, Josh Rawlins, fantastic young player. You know, Josh, uh, on the scene as a 15-year-old playing uh, for the for the under-17 team in the, at the World Cup. Uh, he, he's come in over the last year and listen he's really mature he's he's, he's, he's a young man but a man's body and, and he's only going to get better he's um, you know he brings real calmness for a 17 year old and he's good in the ball so that's something yeah definitely you know it's up to Joshy this year to go and cement his place more often but someone uh, you know the fans should get really excited about yeah definitely and I think yeah. you know the the, the machine is is producing some good young players and, and unfortunately when you, you look at them come through um, 
on short-term contracts. And then, as we have seen with Warland and others, um, the, the contract is either mutually written off and they go to another club or they, they're just in a 12-month contract and then they move on. Um, from a player perspective, and you, know, you were a player yourself not so long ago, um, how does that affect a, the, a young player's development? And do you think that a transfer system within Australia would, would be helpful? I think, yeah, just going straight on to the transfer um, topic straight away, I think that's, that's that needs to be put in place. Um, you know, because in terms of players coming and going, like you said, leaving, you know, these 12-month contracts and no no money funneling down to, yeah. you know, academy clubs or, or local clubs as well. So, you know, sometimes, you know, you see, it's, it's, it's a bit of a strange one. You've got Newcastle Jets in the league at the moment, but they're owned by... Three, three different owners from yeah. three different clubs mm. and you know players are leaving from Newcastle Jets to go to these clubs and there's no transfer fees involved so I guess that sort of kind of you know that doesn't sit well with me so I think in terms of in, in, in terms of things like that I think we need to put you know a transfer system in place but uh, going back to the question about the young boys not the young boys you know if we think you know young players we want to protect our, our assets and, and, and those young guys coming through but loads you never mentioned like Daniel Stein no. and, and mm. Kieran, Kieran Bramwell mm. and these guys who have come in and, and, and scored goals and, and played a part and, and they will, these guys will only improve and, 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 and get better and add more to the team next year. So I think, yeah, we, we've got to as a club to protect our investment and, and make sure they don't, um, you know, jump ship. But these, these young guys, are, they're enjoying their football at the moment at the club and they're getting opportunities. I don't think, you know, across the whole of the A-League as many young players got an opportunity. We had, I think, 11 academy players have an opportunity in ACL or A-League this year. So that's just, you know, I guess that's a, a small success story, uh, you know, in terms of last season. Oh, yeah, look, at, and you, know, you say I didn't mention him, but, you know, Steinze, his work rate last year when he came on was phenomenal and he, he's really done a lot of that bullocking and donkey work in, in that final third. Um, as you said, Bramwell, um, everyone's going, who's he? And then all of a sudden he's, he's banging goals in and he, he's looking the goods. And it's all part of that progression. And, you know, for a long time we've said we, we like to have local talent in the team and developing. We've got that and then we're not happy with the results because all, the, all these guys are, are 21, 22. They're still learning their trade, you know. Yeah. Um, and I suppose the thing is, if we can do that, we bring in some quality around them like Diego, like a McGarry, like a Kilkenny. Any, then that helps, you know, and it, it settles them down. But I think last yep. year, we, with the year that we had, with all of the, the shifts in fixtures and everything else, really hard to get some consistency. But the one, yeah. the one real glowing thing for me was that we had a lot of young kids who really had a baptism of fire last year, who we ex- should expect a lot more of this year. No, def- definitely. The, the, the second season is always that a little bit more difficult. And listen, we, we're not naive enough to think, you know, that um, these young kids, you know, by playing young kids, we, we, we don't have to win games. Listen, we have to get the balance right. We, we want to, you know, make sure we're introducing the young players at the right time, but also making sure that doesn't, you know, sacrifice the results. And, and we want to be a, a successful team and, and we are building. And, you know, whether that be next year, we'll, we're up at the top end of the table, which, you know, I would like to think so. And um, we want to bring success to, to the club. We want to bring success to the WA. We want to 
bring success, you know, not just one year, two, but two or three years, but it takes time, but we know we have to get that, that balance right. We need to make sure we're winning games as well as introducing all these young footballers. Yeah, absolutely. And then you, you look at the um, Glory Youth team, which has been playing in the NPL for a while now. And I think in the, the early years, um, always struggled, were always around the, the bottom three. But in the last three or four years, um, have been certainly in that, that top four and, and pushing to win the league. And I think that's really pleasing when you look at the age of the boys and you, you really are putting old heads on, on young shoulders. Yeah, well, th- that's... You know, there's been a, a change of mindset as well. We, we are developing players, but we have to, you know, install that winning mentality because the next step for these young players is coming into the A-League and they need to learn how to win games. So it's just, again, talking about balance, making sure that they are developing and they are, you know, learn, learning how to win games. And it's changed the landscapes. Also, it's changed because um, the age group that we are now allowed to play is right under 23s. So this just gives us a little bit more time to... Have a look at these guys. So some some kids are not ready till you know you know nineteen, twenty, twenty one. Mm. So this now gives us a little bit longer to have a look at these young men and, and give them every opportunity to become a professional. You know, so um, and that also gives them a little bit more experience playing in the league and being able to play against adults and men every week. So I think that's why it's sort of you know you know those guys have had a little bit more success and they've now been able to compete against men. So no, I think I think that really bodes well for for the club going forward. Yeah, absolutely it does. And I think, you know, when you look at um, particularly centre-halves and uh, goalkeepers, uh, a lot of them don't seem to hit maturity to a lot older. Um, you know, the nippy wingers and, and little centre-forwards, you know, 18, 19. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at um, Owen and Fowler and all them were, were fairly young when when they were hitting the headlines. But the, the, old, the goalkeepers in particular and, and the... Um, Centre half seems to take a little bit longer to develop. Yeah, well, no, no, no player has the same pathway. You no. know, in terms of mm. you know, young, some players mature than others. It, 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 it's irrelevant, I guess, what what position. But you know, it's about us making sure we get the, the players in at the right times and expose them when they're ready and not and not too soon. Then I think we've got that balance really well. And like I said, you know, we end up getting eleven of these these young men, you know, yeah. and experienced. But the expectation. Levels, um, you know, become become greater and, and higher, and I'm sure we expect them to do better. But also, uh, you know, the fans come and demanding more of them as well. Yeah, like I remember a young Daniel De Silva playing um, yeah. for the Glory, and you, you know. Whilst you, you looked at him as, as a fan, you'd want you to see much more of him. It was quite evident that the club were looking after him in his development. And I think uh, then you've got the other expectation that he has and, and maybe his management team have that he should be seeing more time on the park. And it, it's how do you balance all that up? It's just, you know, what people expect and then what, what you can actually give them. Because they, they won't thank you if they go out and, and get... Um, Injuries through overuse or you know soft tissue injuries that then yeah. set them back. Yeah, no, I definitely not. And I think if you if you watch the all the rules all night, a lot of those guys, you know, previously if you look at Olympic squads or national squads, a lot of these guys are not playing A League minutes or first team mm. minutes. If yeah. you look at that that team, you know, a lot of those guys have, have picked up a lot of experience and a lot of minutes across um, the A League season, and the majority are playing in A League clubs. Um, so no, I think I think it boys well going forward. So whether that's you know due to the, the situation we're in at the moment with, with COVID and, and and squads 
been reduced and, and, and budgets been changed due to, you know, financial strain. And I think it's been a massive opportunity for these young players to come in and play. And, you know, I, I just thought it was in terms of, for us, it was really positive this year. And, but also watching, you know, in the, in the bigger landscape in Australian football, these young kids going and competing with, with, with a powerhouse of Argentina. And it was, it was great to see them not oh. just compete, but, yeah. you know, <laughs> played them off the pit. You, you know, yeah. they, they played really well and, you know, we're the better team and, and, and well-deserved victory. But, but even with a 10-man Argentina would be expected to beat an 11-man Australia, and they didn't. Yeah. And they didn't even look like getting close. So, you know, it was a fantastic, fantastic achievement. Um, and as I said before, whilst the focus has been on who's left, we haven't looked at who's remained. And there's other players we haven't mentioned, like Ota, who, for me, um, one of the best crossers of a ball in the league and, and such a, a nice guy as well to have around the club. Um, and Armiento, who is you know just a powerhouse. Yeah. Um, so there's, whilst we've lost some, um, the the quality and the quality that wants to remain is there. And then you, as you mentioned before, we brought in and brought home um, Jack, Jack Clisby, yeah. O'Neill. Um, so you know, there's I think there's very much a Perth-based flavour, but there's also very much a younger and, and more ambitious side without relying on. Um, Thirty-year-old um, has-beens. No, correct, and I think it's a, that's a, that's our job to get that recruitment right and get the balance right. And like you said, like so, like Carlo again, and all again, he's got a little bit more experience. He was uh, fantastic, especially when he came off the bench. And hopefully, it's up to him, you know, to come and put his his, his best foot forward and get more game time. And and Koski on that left-hand side, like you said, he brought real, you know, quality and. And balance, and 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 they had some fantastic delivery from that from that end, and you know you've got, and then you, you mix that in with you know your Bruno's and 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 Keos yeah. and, and and likewise up top, and, and again like I said, we are we've got a real quality you know base of a good squad, but we you know if we've got any ambition, we need to we need to add more to that. So that's not going to be for the lack of trying, and we'll be pushing you know to get you know two or three more faces through the door, but of real quality to make sure. You know, we're we we're we fighting up to that top end of the table. And and talking about quality, Kianese is still um, contracted to a club in the Indian Premier League. So, again, we were fortunate enough to get him last year for, for the back end of the season. Um, whether or not that could be negotiated is another question, isn't it? Yeah, well, I think we managed to get him on, on loan and it worked out for, for him and it worked out for the club. And, again, that's something, you know, potentially we'll, we'll, we'll look at and... Joe's, Joe's still on the, the radar as such but yeah he's, he's not a contracted player but um, no but we're looking listen we're looking at every option we're looking at every option to try and get the best quality player in the club because we, we want to you know build something special we also want you know a team where the fans can come and enjoy watching you know a good footballing team play yeah, unfortunately I'm one of those tragic ones I'll watch you even if you're horrible but um, <laughs> but the, but that's part of being a you know a, a fan of a club is you you know through yeah. thick and thin you've got to follow the follow the club and and support the club and I think you know through the covid it's that's been very important I think yeah um Tony Pinada does a fantastic job I see him on um on Twitter quite often answering some of the the, the, the idiots that Post rubbish and and the way he deals with it, he's such he's such a diplomat is mm. is brilliant and I think you know they're the, they're the things that make us stronger in the end and I think you know there's a real professionalism starting to build around the glory which is is nice to see yeah and 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 you mentioned about you know through a second spin and 
I think the fans have got to get a lot of credit, you know, buying season ticket books and, you know, the, how, how many times the games get rescheduled and, and, and not, you know, at, you know, ideal times, you know, Sunday nights at 7 o'clock. It's not ideal to bring the family out. So we've got a lot to thank the fans and the supporters and the sponsors that they've continued to, you know, back the club and, and making sure that we are still healthy and strong coming out the other end. And, you know, like I said, we, we are at the moment, we've had our first week's training under under a belt, the boys are looking good. It's a good atmosphere, and then, like I said, if we can just add a couple more quality footballers to that, to that squad, we'll be um, a team to be reckoned with. Well, yeah. hopefully, we get a date and time for this um, FFA Cup playoff. Given that it's kind of going to be an intra-club match, HBS <laughs> seems like the, the ideal venue. Everyone knows where it is. Sorry, can you repeat that? Missed that question there. I said with the FFA Cup game um, up in the air, maybe we should hold it at HBF, seeing as it's kind of an intra-club game. Yeah, I'm not too sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm not too sure. We'll, 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 like I said, we'll, we'll prepare. We'll, we'll have you know, yeah. in-house games uh, over the next couple of weeks and we'll, we'll build and we'll be prepared for whenever that game might be. So, yeah, who knows? Like, a lot of things are... I'm still up in the air, you know. Who knows? What's oh, look, and, and the and the biggest thing that's up in the air is Diego. Um, a lot of pinches around that. Um, hoping and praying you've got a B plan. If he doesn't want to be with us, I've seen rumours of him going to victory, but I doubt he'll do that. Um, no idea in terms of some of the rumours going about, but we are we are in, in communication with Diego, and you know someone that we we want to keep for for next year. And I guess that's up to Diego. I know he's over in Queensland at the moment, and yeah. obviously he's. He's, uh, he's struggling to get back at the moment, back into Perth, where he obviously is based. So, no, we're, we're, in, we're in, you know, communication with Diego every day and, and hopefully we can get something over the line. Marvellous. Thank you very much for your time, Steve. Um, I'm sure we'll touch base with you because uh, hopefully some of those lads in your development streams will be pulling on Ollie Roo's T-shirts when we go to Brisbane. So, be wonderful to see. No, fantastic, gents. Thanks, mate. See ya. Thanks. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. All right, Steve McGarry, Perth Glory. Um, yeah, I was going to say, ever since the Asian Champions League uh, campaign, which was, what, two years ago now? Yeah. Oh, sorry, a year ago now. Uh, I felt like the Glories had a absolute wealth of young players yeah. willing to step up, like more than I can remember in the past. Yeah. You know, and but I think that's more about them having a go. Yeah, exactly. Um, you look at the um, the Asian Cup last year. Yep. Um pre-season, a lot of these boys that are now playing in the um, MPL side were getting a run um, yeah. like young Collie was getting time in yeah. a, in yeah. a European, oh, sorry, in an Asian Champions League game he was playing yeah. and then he's, he's spent the season in the MPL team but what what a fantastic what development from, yeah. path, you know, yeah. and knowing that you compete at that level must do wonders for your confidence but I also think Garcia has really given the youth a go. Yes. Um, yeah, he does know them because he's, he was their coach, but um, it, stepping them up is one thing. And then we've seen, you know, with our previous coach that he's taken a couple of youth players and, and pushed them up yeah. before they were ready and then <laughs> overused them. But um, he hasn't done that. And I think, like, you know, Steins and, and Timmins and Bodnar really came into their own during the season. Um, I was a bit disappointed that Rawlings didn't get more of a run as the season went on. Yep, but, yep. you know, I thought Young Rawlings did a really good job. I mean, he, I think he had a mare against um, the victory early on, but the next game he came out and played like a superstar. So, you know, you, you've got to 
let youth make mistakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, at the same time, you, they've got to learn from them, and he has. Yeah, and I mean, we finished uh, ninth from memory on the table, which yeah. is why we're in the playoff. Uh, honestly, I think that we can write off a couple of those positions, like we would be a few spots higher if not for all the lockdowns and the, the shuffling of fixtures and then, you know, the five games away in a row and then the, you know... Yeah, well, you, fort, yeah but the thing is you, go, you go for a one or two game road trip and it turns into a four game yeah, road trip and yeah. all of a sudden you, all your preparation is thrown out the window. Yeah, exactly. and, and I think that, that yeah. had a maybe a bigger impact on, on yeah. our team than it did for other And the teams. other thing is when you're preparing for a Friday night game that suddenly becomes a Saturday afternoon game, it's, yeah. again, it doesn't sound like a lot, but at that level, you're, you're timing your training and all your performance measures towards, you know, that, that time. So, yeah. 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 Interesting. But look, I think they're right. And I think they're... Oh, give me that. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, so I, he just likes to jump in every now and again promoting Penny's company, which is good. <laughs> uh, I don't mind that at all. Um, Ironically, you fenced him in by turning him down. I did, yeah. Um, we, we're complaining about our side not signing people, but look at Adelaide. I think they've not made one signing and all they've done is lost people. So, yeah. um, you know, we haven't left it too late. And then on the plus side, and we mentioned this earlier, the, the women's team, which last year was let, let preparation go to the last minute, not because they were poorly organised, but because at, right up until the last minute, they didn't know if they're going to be playing a season or not yeah, yeah. through the lockdowns and everything else. Because, you, you you know, the women are largely amateur players who um, football's a secondary income, not their primary income, right. yep. could not go and live over in a hub. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, the, and the clubs can't afford that. So this year... Lots and lots of good signings, yes, and hopefully over the next couple through, of weeks, so. Penny will be exploring that side of things. Because yeah. no, no, look, there's some fantastic signings coming through. So, yeah, so one of the best young goalkeepers in Australia uh, has signed for us, which is not great for Miranda, but at the same time, <laughs> no, no, but yeah, no, I see. But it saying, is yeah. because that's your competition. If you want to be a professional player, if you want to play for the glory, if you want to play for Australia, you've got to be better than she is. That's right. Yep. So competitions, uh, competition is key. Alrighty, we're going to go to a break very shortly and then we'll be back with Dan Israel from Football West. Um, lots going on in that area. Last time I spoke to Dan, he was brand new into the job and was trying to get his head around what his role was and um, what was going on. So we'll talk to him um, and, uh, yeah, that'll be it. All right, yep. we'll be back after these I'll turn sound up, eh? <laughs> Lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Auswest Fencing and Rotiron. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Auswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialise in colour bond, aluminium, steel and timber gates. Check out our galleries at auswestfencing.com.au That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T fencing.com.au The World Football Programme is a community programme run by volunteers. Just like our host station, Radio Fremantle, applies for government grants and sponsorships from year to year to keep us on air. Your support by way of station membership or donation is greatly valued. Contact Radio Fremantle weekdays 94942100 for information on how to become a member or to donate to the station. Thanks for your support. 
Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. And we're back in the room. Um, the only thing we haven't covered off now is the women's NPL. Women's NPL. So, uh, obviously, it was a cup final week last week. But yep. we have had a game already from this weekend. So, last night, at Murdoch University, uh, Melville Football Club, I should have just said, Mum, Mum FC, yeah. had a 4-0 win over Fremantle City. Uh, then coming up uh, this afternoon, it's Curtin Uni at home against Perth SC. And then tomorrow afternoon, Northern Redbacks against Hyundai NTC and Subiaco AFC up against Balcata. So Mum FC. The all-conquering Mum FC. All-conquering Mum FC. Top of the table, 32 points. But uh, Northern Redbacks five points behind them with two games in hand. So mathematically, it's it's still it's on. pretty even. Yeah. All right, no worries. That sounds pretty exciting. Um, and someone's had something to do with the, the Cup final day last week is our next guest in Dan Israel from Football West, who is the um, club and community manager, I think is his title. Good morning, Dan. How are you? Good morning, Sean. I'm not too bad, but I will apologise to your listeners because I'm recovering from a cold, so if I sound a bit nasally, my apologies. Well, when we spoke during the week, you, you sounded a bit deeper and a bit more throaty and, and to be honest, a bit more sexy. So, um, you know, it's a good voice for radio on, on Thursday night. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I've come down a little bit, but hopefully I can keep that back to going. The raspiness. Yeah, that's what that's what you needed. Yeah, we would we'd have had the ladies swooning all over town. So maybe it's a good thing you wound it back a bit. Um, also, just um, you know, listening to your point about the women's NPL. But you know, three weeks ago we probably thought the same thing about the men's NPL. Well, now look how exciting that's become. So uh, look, anything's still possible. There's still uh, quite some way to go. And then the beauty of, I guess, the Australian system is that you then have a top four at the end of it. Yep. So even when you win the league, and obviously we do, we do declare those people champions. But there is still an opportunity. Anything can happen. Cup football knockout. So uh, yeah, still all to play for. I say in, in, in all the divisions, but especially in women's NPL. Yeah, I'm a traditionalist. I like the first past the post. That's it. You're done. Um, I'm not so much into that part, but I'm, it's growing on me, I suppose. But yeah, it'll take a, it'll take a while. <laughs> um, so. Great job last week with the, the Cup final day. I think a, a successful enterprise and I think everyone involved needs to be congratulated on it. The webcasts and everything else, just perfect. So, you know, the that side of football and getting the football out to the people has really worked well. Yeah, I think, look, two, two things that I would say to that is, firstly, we were tremendously helped by our host, Inglewood United. They are used to putting on games, so... From that side of it, it worked really well. Um, also, we are working with a very new team and most of the people involved, this was their first cup final. So, again, glad that it came off as, as smooth. We had a, a, a bit of a learning process as part of it. But, again, our ideal scenario is to deliver top-level events for our community and, and the cup final especially. You know, these are, these are special days. It's yeah. interesting. It's in the middle of the season. But, yeah, again, something different. Um, so, yeah, glad that... It's perceived to have gone well. Yeah, look, and I think when I, I spoke to you before, um, you and Ryan had not been long in post. You, it was post-COVID. There had been lots of layoffs within Football West and you two guys came in as new people um, and just getting your head around your roles and, and the, the stakeholders was basically where you were, you were going from. You had all these lofty ambitions of engaging with the stakeholders, with the clubs, with the standing committees, understanding the, the territory before you did anything. And um, from what I'm hearing, that's what you've been doing. Yeah, 
Um, look, that is definitely what we've been trying to do. And it, it's probably taken both myself and Ryan back a little bit in terms of maybe the the loftiness of our ambition was that we could do that very quickly and then move on. Actually, what we've discovered is that it's quite a nuanced process. There's quite a lot of things to consider. And, and, and again, we're happy to spend the time and delve deeper with our uh, different groups of stakeholders. And it's really interesting that you've mentioned the standing committees because obviously they're a, a really vital part of what we're trying to achieve because they represent very specific areas within the game. There's, there's nine of them um, ranging from very specific competition ones such as the MPL, the State League, the Amateur Masters Metros to slightly broader ones like the women's and the juniors. And then we've got a coaching one, a futsal one, a referees one. So, um, again, these groups allow us to tap into, I guess, some of the thoughts that are happening out in the community. That's not our sole source of knowledge or information, but it's a really vital starting point and a sounding board. Um, and we've just gone through a process because it just happens to be every two years the terms for those are up. So um, we've, we've essentially um, just redid that at the end of the financial year. So at the end of June, um, there are actually still some vacancies available and people are able to still nominate for, for certain committees. So again, I urge your listeners or anyone involved in football that wants to be part of shaping the future, wants to be part of that conversation. And, jump in I appreciate it involves volunteering your time and, and we have a lot of people within the game that do that on a regular basis so it is quite difficult but again it's such a vital exercise for us and um, it's really important in terms of really getting an understanding of what's happening out there and it also I guess provides a bit of a bridge for clubs to be able to then use their committee to represent them in, in certain areas. Well, so, you, uh, you, you yeah, talk about the bridge between the committees, football standing committees, etc. Um, that bridge was supposed to be the zone reps who I think, in my opinion, have certainly not been utilised um, as they were intended and their roles seem to have become a little um, lost. And I don't know if we can reinvigorate those roles and, and get the right people in that are going to go out there and engage with clubs and, and be those intermediaries that they were supposed to be. I, um, my personal view, I wholeheartedly agree with you because, um, again, you know, when I came in and people said, right, we have these committees, we have these people, we have this, and we try to work out what everybody's doing and what their function is. And it was very difficult to get a real sense of the purpose or the, the, I guess the reality or uh, what is actually happening with the zone reps and what they're doing. Mm. Um, they do play a vital role. It could be even better if we actually engaged with that process a little bit better. So one thing that I and Ryan are definitely looking at doing is uh, reinvigorating that process because, again, I just feel like it could be such a useful thing. And I'm not saying it's not... 100% like that at the moment and the people that have been in these roles have probably done a tremendous job to some degree but again what we've done with the standing committee is trying to bring in process and uniformity and a framework and a structure to it uh, and I think the next thing that we'll probably need to look at is exactly doing a, a similar exercise with the zone rep so that where it's working brilliantly we can capture that and then hopefully roll that out across all our votes. So it seems to me that you know you've got basically four cornerstones that you're you're building on, which is openness, accountability, terms of reference, and compliance. So I imagine some of those would be throwing up some challenges. Um, 
yeah, they they are, and, and um, again, it's it's one of those things where sometimes you know one of the things that has surprised me is the things we didn't know about, uh, which should be glaringly obvious. So again, really useful to have these groups because they're able to point these things out to us. Um, now it's down to us to try and make them better, but then also, as you were talking about that that transparency, that openness. Um, it's an ongoing process. It's something that we need to keep working towards. It's not a single point and then we get there and then it's done. It is actually a, a, an ongoing ambition. So we understand that we're not necessarily 100% there. Yeah, but I suppose what it is, it's a, it's a model of constant improvement. So, yes, once we, we get to this first hurdle, then when we start looking at the next hurdle and how we approach that one. Yeah, you're you're breaking you're breaking up a little bit. Oh, no, you're back again. Are you in and out of your wine cellar? Because you keep on <laughs> breaking up, and and you sound like you got a head in a bucket at times. So it's it's difficult for us and the, the, yeah. the listeners at home to Apologies. hear you. But um, yeah, what you're saying is, is is vitally important. And I think you know, getting that understanding, getting people to understand that the the um, standing committees aren't about your individual club issues. They are about football as a whole, and and the betterment of football. And that you know, once we get to a point, um, and we we've got a threshold, that's we don't drop below that, and we and we keep on improving. And I noticed that one of the the new um, directors of Football West um, is their expertise is in compliance, which I think is a, is a huge thing. And I also know that the the club as a entity um you've been doing a lot of work with that there's lots of training programs on but you also have a new initiative coming up yeah we do so look i mean we're trying to be better ourselves beef up our skills and and whether that be at board level where they're looking for directors with certain skills whether that be at employee level where we're looking at people from different backgrounds as a great example we, we've been trying to beef up our club support and it's a completely different system for how things have worked before and because previously you would have had an individual that you'd deal with and now we're trying to move away from that single point of failure and more in towards an environment where there's a whole range of people that are skilled in a whole range of topics that can help and be on hand 24-7. Well, we're not quite there 24-7. We've just introduced a new customer charter which allows us to answer questions seven a.m. till 7 p.m. on the weekdays and five to uh, 9 to 5 on the weekend. So hopefully that that's our internal process. And we've then undergone a process with clubs and we, we ran a Building Stronger Clubs grant which just closed. And we did it last year and had 24 clubs applied. We did it this year and we've had 60 clubs applied. So 
totally we've had about 84 clubs out of our 250 clubs which I think for us is, is tremendous and we'll keep keep trying to work on that the next stage we've just launched a program um, and the details of this are on our clubhouse section of our website um, regarding um, empowering people so this is a, more about individuals rather than clubs and this is a, a some funding for individuals to undertake professional development whether that be you know, coaching courses, referee courses, or whether that be club volunteers that need to upskill. I think in the last round we had town team managers that were doing RSA courses. We've had people doing first aid courses. Or even that could be people, volunteers at clubs that want to do social media courses. Or yeah. Well, the, there are like other that. things. You know, there, there are accounting programs out there that people need upskilling in. There's web design. There's blogging. There's so many things that we could get into that, this could fund and I suppose you're only limited by your own imagination 100% and again it's one of those things where we understand that you know this one is more aimed at individuals but we also understand that individuals play a vital role within our club community so we want our individuals to be better we want our clubs to be better and we want ourselves to be better so the only way we're going to ever be able to achieve that is through processes and initiatives which allow us to upskill ourselves now, working forward, and I think I've seen an email that was sent out, you're, you're looking for people to form part of a working group um, for the 2023 and beyond seasons? Um, yeah, look, depending on depending on the topic. So, obviously, we have um, some topics which are quite specific and we will use our existing uh, structures, such as the standing committees. And, again, that's why I think it's really vital if people are are interested in that kind of thing to, to stick your hand up and, and try and get on these committees. Um, but there are some some projects that potentially cut across a whole range of things. And then we might set up uh, specific working groups to deal with that. So yeah. as, as a good example, we're actually just uh, in the process of setting up a, a, a little subcommittee working group to look at a rules review. We understand that a lot of the competition rules... Um, need looking at and need looking at in a holistic way because what's happened in the past is they've all kind of sat independently this this competition has this rule these competitions have those rules and often competition structure changes the rules become redundant or um, they don't actually speak across numerous competitions and you may then find conflict and we find that unfortunately the hard way when we get challenged because people are saying well the rules say this but reality says that and we look at that but again this is a, a a project I've been really keen to get underway for a while. Yeah. Again, the timing of it being that we can hopefully work it into our, our sort of regular rule review that, that happens anyway. Because it, that comes into the, the governance issues and the, and there's lots of governance issues. Rules rules are generally guidelines unless there's an absolute 100% rule. And then sometimes you find, um, particularly in this state, that because apparently we're unique and I don't know anyone who isn't unique... But because we're unique, although it's a hard and set rule across the nation, we don't comply with it because it doesn't suit us. So it's making sure that, you know, from a compliance and governance issue, that rules, the absolute rules are adhered to and that ones that are guidelines are then tailored to suit us. And then it's, there's other things around ethics. And, you know, we, we talked briefly about some of the the fee and fee structures for some of the clubs where people have got to pay a full non-refundable amount of money prior to a ball even being kicked 
um, and then if that person doesn't get into a team, they've they've then have got to forego quite a sizable chunk of money. That that actually stops people progressing through the game, and and I think you know those ethical um, dilemmas need to be open and and accountable and mandated for that. You know, if someone's paid up, and I, you know, if you look at the Sydney experience, thousands of dollars to be in a club, mm. and that they don't get to train and they don't get to play for that club, they should get a refund. 100%. And look, one thing that's really difficult in these kind of situations, and I think this is kind of where, where maybe I was talking about before, where you might have a, a, a slight conflict in opinion, right? Because mm. individuals need to be protected in a certain way, and they, they have their own rights. Clubs need to be protected in a slightly different way. They need some certainty. They need to be able to plan. They need to be able to... Totally agree. For a season. Yeah. And then we as an organisation also need some sort of semblance of assurance that these teams are going in, these are going to go ahead, these competitions will go ahead. So trying to find ways to make sure that all of those competing agendas can actually be catered for in a way that suits everyone, sometimes it's very straightforward. and There's an obvious solution that, that hits you in the face. Other times, and I think this is kind of what tends to happen, is we put in place a rule or a procedure, realise that there are certain unintended consequences that occur from that, mm. tweak it. Sometimes we tweak it too far the other way. And, and, you know, we go through that process. And again, that's why undergoing the rules review every year is vital. Yeah, but and, and to see... understanding the rules is, is, is also important. So, and yeah, to see if that rule is actually an effective ruling. I mean, I, I go back to the, the salary cap that was put in and within you know minutes of the salary cap being voted for by everybody in the room, people had found ways already to defeat it because what they really wanted was a salary cap that applied to everybody but them. Um, and, you know, th- there just seems to be this little bit of... Um, I don't know whether it's uh, the wild, wild west or rebel mentality, but we, we have this thing that rules don't apply to us all the time. And, and again, I... I, I I think it's a really difficult um, scenario because, again, I think, and, and we're probably quite unique in it as a sport in being such a global game. There's massive advantages to that, but there's also disadvantages. So we, mm. as I think you alluded to earlier, are dictated to, to some degree by FIFA, who then dictate to the FFA, or FA as they now know, okay, a great example is registration. Now, the FA then come up with a system and all the member federations, such as football, have to comply yeah. with that. Does that suit us locally? Probably not. If and we and certainly not with the professional deadlines. Correct. If yeah. we were allowed to design our own system, we would. So then we get into a scenario where actually what we're trying to do is mitigate against that. We know that we can't not comply with it. We just have to find a way that it kind of works best for us. However, again, as you said, it does, it, it does lend itself to that mentality of, well, hold on a minute. This shouldn't really apply to us, so let's not bother. But Actually, we can't do that. We do want to be part of the football family. And to be part of the football family, to be part of any family, there's some rules you're going to agree with, some rules you don't agree with. And, you know, you kind of have to go along with the good and the bad. So I think, again, our job here is understanding where those hard lines are and then working within our own structures to see how we can lessen some of the blows that maybe don't suit us and take advantage of situations that do suit us. So... Yeah, it's a challenge and it's a learning curve because those rules change every year as well. Oh, yeah. Look, there's lots of things going on that we're not happy with. But, you know, we we have to accept 
some of those things will never ever change so um you know we we need to find a way of working it's about being honest about what's going on and some of the things that that are there and particularly professional registration one of my bugbears but um eventually if, if we had a transfer market there'd be more be more of an impetus for us to sign players on a professional contract because it would then protect our investment and if someone from the east wanted to come over and offer them large wads of money we would at least get compensated for it so i, I think there's you know some benefits for things that we don't like doing but we need to be doing it um just not just because it's the rules but because it's right well and also i think you know again there's a lot of i'm always i'm always really encouraged because when i am out there really most of the most of the time and most of the clubs that we speak to what they want to do is get better be more professional be better at what they do offer a better service now sometimes it's difficult because we understand this volunteer organizations etc etc but at the same time i think having that desire starting to look at your strategic planning, starting to look at where you're heading, and starting to put the processes in place to be, I guess, at least acting in a more professional manner, even though it's a not-for-profit, volunteer-led organisation, mm. especially on the field. And, you know, you've seen that with setups. You've seen probably an advancement over the last 20 years in terms of um, coaching setups, technical oh, yeah. directors, yeah. coaching... So, it, it, we understand it's a long-term proposition, but I, again, I think the first thing is we need the desire. Then we have the desire, then we need to understand what, what's the mechanism that we can use, and then we can help our clubs and our stakeholders get there. But I think, again, changing that narrative, as you said, yeah. to looking for that. One thing that is pleasing is I feel like there's quite a lot of the clubs that are on board with that already. Yeah. Um, so it's working through that, but yeah. 100%. Look, it's, it's, an interesting, it. it's an interesting concept because overall I think, you know, Football West are doing a good job and you can tell they're doing a good job because not everybody's happy. <laughs> so, um, you know, <laughs> and, and unfortunately the, that's part of what happens. And I know we, we're talking about um, casting a net out there. If you look at the internet, there are so many people that know what's wrong with this game that could fix it for you. So maybe you get in touch with some of them because they've got all the answers from what I've seen. Um, but look, really appreciate what you're doing, um, both you, um, Ryan, and Abid. Um, you know, it, it is a, a work in progress and it's not going to happen in two minutes. So thank you very much for what you do. Oh, appreciate that, Sean. And again, thanks for helping us, Connor. Maybe sometimes give our side of the story. Absolutely, that's what it's about, mate. All about balance. Thank you very much for your time. No worries. Speak soon. Dan Israel of Football West. Um, yeah, they get a lot of brick bats, but the, overall, I think they're doing a good job. It's a bit like that Monty Python scene. Yeah, what have the Romans ever done for us? <laughs> so, um, and that's how it is. Look, thank you for listening. Uh, Lenny's waiting very patiently there. This has been our show. Penny's back next week. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you, Pete. No worries. Join us again next week at the same time for the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM.